You're listening to the Murphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, with me today is John Subterello. Hey, John. Hi, Kathy. I'm so glad to have you on the show. You are the first person I've ever interviewed that has ridden your bike across the United States, and it's on my bucket list. <laughs> well, it's a very fun adventure, and I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> and I'm guessing it was on your bucket list at some point. Yeah, it's not yeah. there anymore, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into it. Uh, how did you get into bicycling as an adult? Um, I think what really drew me to bicycling uh, was bought a bicycle to get around my college campus, basically, um, and just was really thrilled with how convenient that was. Uh, didn't have to worry about parking or any of that. And from that point on, just kept uh, kept having a bike around for commuting and kind of extending my use for it, going out on, you know, recreational rides mm -hmm. and uh, investing in better equipment um, and just realizing that I really liked traveling by bike, um, be it for a day or uh, three months. <laughs> yeah, it really is a convenient way um, to get around and not worry about parking and those sorts of things. Absolutely. I guess I should start out by asking, you know, where you live and what the biking culture is like there. Sure. Uh, so I live in Columbus, Ohio right now. I have oh. for about five years, um, originally from the northwest part of Ohio. Um, but here in Columbus, it is a, uh, a pretty good bike town, a lot of nice uh, trails, uh, good infrastructure in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say there's a uh, really reliable network to commute by. Um, so I think that a lot of the people that do commute by bike and get around town are probably more confident cyclists. Mm -hmm. um, you don't see a lot of newbies out there. Uh, they tend to stick to the trails. So I think in one aspect, uh, Columbus could really improve on building a more developed uh, network for commuting, mm -hmm. uh, but we do have a really nice trail system. Okay. And um, I'm in Iowa and, you know, we do not have mountains, but we do have mm -hmm. a ton of like mountain bike trails that have been created. Uh, what's it like as far as off road in Ohio? Uh, there's uh, some pretty decent, some pretty decent trails in that sense. So Ohio is quite flat in the central part. Um, so here in Columbus, we have a couple trails north and south mm -hmm. um, for mountain bikers. I uh, haven't spent too much time on them myself, um, but obviously they're pretty flat relative to uh, anywhere else with real geographic uh, features. Yeah. Um, but people really do enjoy them. And yeah, I probably should add that mountain biking is not in my top 10 list of fun ways to bicycle. I've tried it. But yeah, I, I have know. a lot of respect for people that can do it. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, it makes me pretty nervous. Yeah, exactly. I I love being on the road and putting all my junk on my bike and making it weigh a lot and then biking. So <laughs> I just have a different uh, mindset than those mountain bikers. But um, so, of course, I want to talk about your bike ride across America. But before we do, have you been on other adventures that maybe you'd want to share? Um, not a great deal. So mostly just um, kind of riding by myself around mm -hmm. um, long rides, afternoon rides, that sort of thing. I did. A couple overnight rides, one by myself for like a little camping trip, 
Um, and then I also did, uh, we have a ride here in central Ohio called Tosser, uh, the tour of the Scioto River Valley, mm. uh, which actually uh, led into um, the development of the Adventure Cycling Association. A little history there. Okay. Uh, the people that started Tosser um, eventually became the founders of ACA. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a pretty historic ride. It's been going on for uh, 40 some years. Um, so I did that as well one year um, and really enjoyed that. It's about it's 100 miles um, from Columbus down to Portsmouth, Ohio on the Ohio River. Mm. Um, really pretty ride. Uh, and then you ride back the next day. So about oh. 200 miles in a weekend. Wow. Um, and I'm assuming a supported ride since uh, it's a, you know sponsored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to carry your gear or anything. Okay. So you went from that to somehow deciding to ride across the entire United States. So let's get into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it was just, I heard about Transamerica Trail, saw pictures, um, just kept reading other people's blogs and thinking like, wow, how adventurous and how, how neat that it's um, something that's uh, organized yeah. and there people kind of understand what you're doing. Um, so you're not totally on your own. Uh, there are these, you know, communities that, ha that have these cyclists come through and they understand it. Mm -hmm. So there are resources for cyclists. Um, so I guess I was really drawn to kind of knowing that for a first time, uh, it's a good uh, starting route. Mm -hmm. I mean, given that it's, you know, quite long, uh, it is a, a good starting route. You you have all of the, the resources you need along the trail um, for the most part. Um, and just the idea of seeing the entire country uh, from one coast to the other by bike was just uh, really, really endearing to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had it on my bucket list, basically, and uh, came to a point in my previous uh, previous job that I, I kind of wanted to leave anyways. Um, and just it was going to work out that I was going to leave in spring so I could start this. So uh, it worked out this year. Yeah, everything aligned, it sounded like. And then um, I'm thinking, this is what my vision is, is that you pull into these towns because, you know, um, it's Transamerica route. So a lot of these towns expect cyclists. So are you kind of like a celebrity and people come running out of their businesses and like, hey, somebody's here? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, too uh, bad. <laughs> no, this, yeah. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people are excited. Yeah. Um, what's really great is that uh, a lot of churches and community centers offer a place to stay oh, um, for cool. cyclists. Mm -hmm. So there are, uh, you know, really nice resources. Some of them have uh, showers and laundry. Um, you know, they typically ask for a small donation, but it's not expected. Um, but it's a really great way to support the community, right? So, you know, this church uh, can, can you know, further um, its resources by, by asking for donations. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, the cyclists, you know, a place to stay uh, is, is something really uh we really appreciate. So, sure. um, that is a great, uh, and, and a lot of times, uh, church members will come and, and speak with you for, for a little while and tell you about the, about the town and the community. Um, and that's really exciting to, to be able to actually, um, uh, talk to someone and, and get that social aspect out of it as well. Oh yeah. Um, so what, where did you start? What town or what state? So I started in Yorktown, Virginia, right on the coast. Oh, okay. Beautiful. And then, um, where did you end? So I ended, I might finish my tour completely in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Uh, the Transamerica Trail technically ends in um, Astoria, Oregon. So that sort of felt like a, a finish line as well in its own right. Even mm -hmm. though I had 200 more miles to Seattle. And you just wanted some bonus miles or you weren't ready to be done? Or is that maybe where your ride back was? 
Yeah, so I had a friend in Seattle that, you know, said, oh, if you're going to be in the area, you should come stay for a few days. Yeah. I've never been to Seattle, so I thought that was a really good option, and I could get a flight out um, back to Ohio from Seattle pretty easily. Oh, so. excellent, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny that you say, uh, somebody asked you, you said, you know, hey, if you're in the area, I did a tour down in Key West, like in Florida, and we were kind of near Miami, and a friend of mine was all like, oh, so you're going to be in the area, you should stop by, and it was like 100 miles to... <laughs> Where he, where he lived, and I'm like, that sounds great, but that would take us, you know, two days to get there. And anyway, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you include Seattle or or not include whatever you want to do, what was your total mileage? I think including Seattle was uh, about forty six hundred. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it took. I uh, started May 11th and ended uh, August third or fourth. Wow. So just under three months. Wow. I am sure you are having a hard time getting back to reality or the new reality of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. I was excited to finish. It had been quite a long summer. Um, and as fun as it was, you know, you kind of miss the conveniences and the uh, comforts of reg- regular life. Sure. Um, so I was excited. But uh, there is that sense of come down. Sure, sure. Uh, well, when you look at the actual miles that you put on, um, were you mostly on low traffic roads or trails or give us a description of, you know, what the terrain was like? Sure. So um, obviously most of it is on roads. Uh, the route is really focused on low traffic roads, so county roads. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is quite a bit of it that, you know, can't be accommodated for that, um, especially as you get towards the center of the state or the center of the states and um, into the West, there just aren't as many roads to choose from. Sure. Um, so you do end on a lot of state highways and even some national highways, um, which, you know, probably isn't for the uh, inexperienced rider, but uh, a good shoulder and, you know, just paying attention to your surroundings can make it pretty comfortable. Right. And then um, going through the mountains, was that quite an experience? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much experience at all with mountains. Uh so that was, I mean, it starts pretty much day one with the Appalachian Mountains you oh, get yeah. into the foothills pretty quickly. Um, and I actually found that even though they're a lot shorter, uh, the Appalachian Mountains are a lot more difficult to ride over on a bicycle than mm. uh, the Rocky Mountains. The engineering just isn't as elaborate. Um, you don't have these uh, well-constructed passes. Uh, you're pretty much just riding over whatever uh, clear area they can find. Um, and that can be quite steep. Um, so it's just kind of relentless. Whereas in the, the Rockies, you, you spend uh, a good portion of the day riding up a pass and then you come down and you kind of get both the, the best of both worlds, but uh, the Appalachians are just straight up and down. Yeah. Just relentlessly. And yeah. And you suffer the whole way up. And then uh, I don't know about you, but I'm always terrified going too fast when you're fully self-contained and full. And so then I'm, you know, like <laughs> so nervous that I'm going to lose control of my bike on the way down. Sure, and absolutely, and uh, especially in the Appalachians, a lot of the roads are quite narrow, mm-hmm. um, and the the conditions uh, towards the edges are really, uh, you know, broken asphalt, that sort of thing, uh, gravel on the road. So you really do have to be careful, um, and you can't really descend too quickly. Did you do this trip solo, or were you with friends? So I started solo. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing about uh, the Transamerica Trail is that it is pretty heavily traveled. Um, so in my fifth or sixth day, I. Uh, met a couple people um, and ended up staying with one all the way to Seattle. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So, and, you know, everybody that I met was great and uh, really good friends. Him in particular, you know, we're quite close now after spending all summer together. Sure. Um, and it was just great the entire time. Uh, we kind of work our way into new groups um, and, you know, kind of do the same sections for a while with people, uh, which is really great and fun to have, you know, have camp with people at night um, and, and share the experience. But also, like, you don't really feel obligated um, to uh, help them along or any sense. Like everyone's just kind of doing it for themselves. Yeah. So um, it's a pretty liberating experience in that sense. That's awesome. Um, and what made you decide to go east to west? That just seems um, backwards. Yeah, um, a lot of people. So I think the Trans American Trail is uh, is supposed to go west to east, or it didn't. It's you know it's founding, um, and that is kind of the standard way. Way um, for me, the east coast is you know much much closer. So getting a ride to the east coast. Oh yeah, uh, was was pretty simple. But also weather wise, I think it works out a lot better uh, to go east to west. Um, you know, there's people that say the prevailing winds are going to come west to east, so you're going to be fighting headwinds the whole time. And that, I think there may be some truth to that, but at a, a micro level, I don't know that you really experience uh, winds any differently mm-hmm. um, if you're to go one way or the other. But starting in the east, um, in May, uh, the, the temperatures are quite mild, uh, whereas if just starting in May in the west, it's actually quite cold sure. as you get into the Rockies. Um, so you know, the majority of my ride was spent in the uh, 70s and low 80s. Uh, and as we got into the West, we got that those milder uh, summer temperatures. But if you're to come into the East uh, in late summer, you're going to get hot and humid. Um, so I just think it works out better in that sense. Yeah. So logistics is what, you know, made you first decide it. But then overall, it sounds like it was a very smart move. Yeah. Talking with people that were coming from the West, I was like, ah, oh, this is you know, I lucked out in having having be almost forced to do it from yeah. the east. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, the last episode I did uh, for this podcast, um, I do touring tips at the end, and I talked about how to document your trip. And so, because um, for me, I have a hard time remembering. You know, I'll enjoy, I'll be in the moment, and I'm like, "This is so awesome." And then, like a month later, somebody will be like, "So, did you go through such and such town?" And I'll be like, "Gosh, ah." Uh, I have no idea. So uh, hopefully you have either a good memory or a way of documenting your trip. But I wanted to know if you had any favorite towns that really um, spoke to you and you're like, that is a place I want to go back to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's funny you mentioned the memory thing. I I got to the point where towards the end, uh, folks along the trail, you know, uh, community members would ask, oh, where'd you start today? And it honestly got hard to remember. (laughs) Right. Uh, Oh, I don't know. What state am I in? Um, (laughs) Uh, but favorite town, I one that really surprised me and was just an absolute blast was Lander, Wyoming. Oh, okay. Um, small town, about 10,000 people, um, but very vibrant. Uh, a lot of um, people out and about, uh, great downtown, uh, just really nice town. And so we were there um, over July 4th, so it took a rest day. Uh, and the, the town just goes all out for July 4th. Nice. They have a massive parade. Um, which they, the Adventure Cycling Association uh, guided tour was was in Lander at the same time. So they got invited to be in the parade and oh. then they invited all the other cyclists that happened to be in town as well. So we were part of the parade and that was really fun. Um, I threw cliff bars instead of candy, which was an expensive <laughs> joke, uh, but worth it. Um, and so the town after the parade, they 
they've lift they lift all of their fireworks ordinances and they also lift um open container oh gosh um, <laughs> not a great mix but i guess for a day um <laughs> it, it's quite fun um so the town was just lit up uh quite literally with fireworks on every corner um it's just a, a big party so a really fun place to end up wow. on july 4th what was the name of the city again lander wyoming lander wyoming so everyone will have to look that up on the internet after they're <laughs> done listening Um, while you're on your trip, you know, obviously you're, you're on the road months and months and months. I'm assuming a few things may have gone wrong. Anything, uh, memories that, uh, jump out? Yeah, I, uh, so my, my biggest mechanical issue, um, was probably a broken chain, uh, in Missouri, actually going through the Ozarks. Mm. Um, and I happened to be alone for those few days. I was kind of riding ahead of my friend to meet my parents they were going to meet me for a day on the trail um and yeah just i don't know what it was what what was wrong with the chain or what um but it snapped while i was going up a hill Mm. um and funny enough uh my riding partner is a professional mechanic um so he he was a a day behind me wasn't (laughs) able to help uh and i am not particularly proficient in, in working on my own issues mechanically so I kind of knew how to how a chain works, and I had I had uh, replaced a pin once, um, just as practice, um, and I didn't have internet connection or, or phone service because I was in the middle of kind of the Ozarks uh, National Park area. Oh, okay. Um, so I just sat out there for two hours uh, trying to get it connected again. Um, the first time I did, I, I forgot to adjust the tension on the pin, um, and it snapped again on oh, the next hill. Man. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I was honestly thought it must be a lost cause, but I didn't really have any other options, so I tried again, and I lost three links, um, so my shifting was quite restricted. Sure. Uh, but it held, and I was able to get a new chain when I got to Springfield. Oh, awesome. I was actually, <laughs> you said you were in the Ozarks, so I was envisioning that the chain fell off, but you were at a beach and a bar, and you were like, whoop, I guess I'll stay here. But <laughs> no such luck. No. <laughs> well, I don't know if you, like, well, you mentioned that you didn't have internet service, um, but I'm guessing that you probably had, you know, physical maps, but did you ever get lost? Uh, not really. Um, oh. So the, the, I never really had much issue with that. The The maps that the ACA uh, publishes for the Trans-America Trail are just, they're absolutely wonderful. I'm mm-hmm. um, really easy to follow, have everything on them that you need. You know, you can plan your day out by uh, where the next service is, um, that sort of thing. Uh, and the, the route is actually marked in a number of states. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So signage pretty much through Virginia and Kentucky, uh, and I think even a, a little in Missouri. So, and those are honestly the, the most difficult states. There's probably the most uh, turning and uh, road changes in those states. So um, it is really nice to to not have to worry about that. Hmm, that's awesome. Well, how about um, some basics on your bike setup? People are always interested to know, you know, what uh, kind of, what brand of bike you have and maybe some of the basics of your setup. Sure. Um, so I rode an All City Space Force. Mm, nice. Um, kind of a, a newer model of that. It was like the 2018. Um, really nice bike. Uh, not typically thought of as kind of a long distance tour, but uh, certainly can handle it. Um, and I, I had a... Unconventionally, I used a uh, a double chain ring instead of three, mm. um, but I think that's becoming more standard mm-hmm. uh, as technology improves. Um, and there was plenty of range. I had a, a ten speed cassette in the back, so 
I had quite a bit of range and mm -hmm. um, never really felt restricted by it. Mm -hmm. And how about a uh, gear setup? I'm assuming you had four bags plus maybe a handlebar bag or? Yep, exactly. Four Ortley bags um, and a handlebar bag as well. Um, I spent almost the entire trip wishing I could figure out how to get rid of my front two. Mm. Um, I kept seeing other cyclists that only had uh, rear panniers and uh, I was just so frustrated that I just couldn't figure out how they do it. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> They're just carrying less or what. I was going to say, I, I still can't figure that out. And I, you know, if I go on a, like a seven day tour, there's just no way. I mean, if you if you take out camping gear and maybe you sleep in a hammock on a tree under a tree every day, but even if you only have a couple outfits to wear, I just yeah, I'm yeah. You needed to stop those people and say, "Can I see what's in your bags?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and are you pretty organized? Like, did you always uh, return things to the same bag so you weren't digging through all four of them every time you needed something? Um, I tried to. Uh, especially at first, I I experimented with weight balance a lot, so that kind of changed uh, mm -hmm. where I would put put certain um, items. Yeah, my my original setup, I was way too front loaded um, mm -hmm. with weight distribution, so the, the bike was clearly not enjoying that. Mm -hmm. um, towards the end, I just I just sort of gave up on it altogether and was just throwing things in as uh, as I, I needed. Um, yeah, just kind of lose sight of uh, your organization methods. Right. I always ask this question to people I interview, but did you have any luxury items that you carried that you probably didn't really need, but you really like to have? Yeah. Um, so I think the the most notable thing is I kept finding books, uh, uh, typically free, like um, uh, like the free libraries, the little posts uh, with a little box on them, um, yeah. you know, take one, leave one kind of book situation. Um, typically I don't find many, uh, books I'm interested in those, but I, I kept finding them, um, along the way. So I had like a stack of like three or four books that I wasn't even planning on reading that I was just carrying with me because I, I found them and was like excited about it. Um, <laughs> so like doing shopping along the way, I guess. Yeah. And think of the space that those books take up. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a silly move. <laughs> Do you still have them or did you get rid of them? Yep. I absolutely still have them. Oh, awesome. Good souvenirs. Well, did you meet a lot of people during your trip? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the Transamerica Trail um, not only has people uh, riding it uh, quite frequently, but it intersects with a lot of other popular uh, cycling routes and, and such. Oh, okay. um, so the Continental Divide, uh, you're frequently in and out um, from Colorado to Montana, uh, passing them. Um, so that was really fun seeing uh, cyclists that are set up for more of an off-road uh, trip and getting to share stories about, you know, how they do what they do and how it's different. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. Um, we spent about a week, um, traveling with a group of about four Australians. Um, and they were just an absolute blast and, you know, some of the warmest people I've ever met. Um, that was just so fun to be able to, um, have that cultural exchange and, uh, really enjoy their company. Yeah, and just to be able to meet people in that circumstance, you know, they're enjoying the same thing that you're enjoying, and it probably doesn't matter, you know, what you all do for a living or where you're from. It's just like the experience itself. Yeah, and you're all you all have that kind of common ground to start from. You're all out riding your bikes, so yeah, um, it, ma it makes getting getting to know each other a lot easier. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier that you know 
a lot of churches allow you to camp and uh, you found, you know, showers and maybe laundry here and there. But overall, what was your experience with camping or hostels or even, I don't know if you use the app, Warm Showers? Yeah, uh, pretty much did all of those things. Um, camping was always a, um, always fun. I like to camp and especially in the West, the camping is a really great option. It's just so gorgeous out. You mm-hmm. want to be outside as much as possible. Um, one particular instance where it was a, a little frustrating in the Grand Teton National Forest, uh, just before you get into the national park, um, we stayed at a uh, national forest campground. And so it was my, my friend and I, uh, we pulled up on two bicycles uh, and we're going to stay the nights and there was a space available. So the um, the camp host mm-hmm. uh, told us to go find a spot and then um, put the put our money in the box. Um, so we did that. And as we're filling out our little card, just to kind of uh, say what we had and uh, pay the appropriate price, we marked uh, the vehicles down as zero um, and paid the standard fee of $12. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the camp host came around later and pointed at our bikes and said one, two, uh, and demanded that we pay the additional uh, uh, vehicle charge of $6 um, mm-hmm. for having two bicycles. Um, we were just stunned that that, that was the, uh, policy, um, came to find out it was absolutely not the policy. And my friend was mailed a check for $6 from the campground organization. um, Seriously? Yeah. We sent an email, uh, just to follow up because it seemed out outrageous, right? I mean, two bicycles don't take up any room. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, they were, they, they told us they would contact the host and Mm. let him know. Um, but that was a frustrating experience because um, he was so sure of himself. But luckily, that is not the policy. Yeah. Well, at least he didn't um, he didn't kick you out or anything like that. Yeah. Because no. that's the worst when it's you're all set up and then somehow you are asked to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not safe for cyclists either to have to keep you know looking for a place to stay as as it gets dark. That's yeah. Really yeah. And I always think of you know camping or hostels um, like that's an expense every day. And if you're paying, you know, like you said, 12 bucks or with your bike, $18 a day, that adds up. So um, can you just give a brief description of what warm showers actually is? Yeah. So warm showers is a um, network of uh, primarily other uh, touring cyclists. Um, So everyone is uh, either looking for or offering a place to stay um, for free. So the people that are offering are typically other touring cyclists that just enjoy the experience of meeting um, new people uh, or just anyone, I guess, that enjoys the experience of meeting new people. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get to stay in their home. Um, A lot of times they'll offer a meal or, you know, a lot of people like to cook for their hosts. Um, It's just a really nice way to um, meet meet someone at at your destination and enjoy some time with them um, in a pretty relaxing environment. It's really nice to stay in a, a nice home and uh, have a shower and yeah, all of that. Yeah. Um, the most interesting warm showers experience I had uh, was in Missoula, Montana. There's a pretty infamous warm showers host named Bruce uh, that kind of runs an open door policy for his war- for his house. So anyone can just stay. They don't really necessarily need to ask um, ahead of time. Um, he has lots of space in this you know large home in Missoula. Um, so people are just coming in and out uh it's really fun uh he has a really great culture there it's just it feels like a hostel but yeah um it's so uh organic and convenient um people are just really warm and fun shout out to bruce that sounds cool bruce is awesome (laughs) and warm showers is actually um, a website or i don't know if they have an app do they have an app 
I think they do. Yeah, yes. but you can basically just plug in wherever you are or wherever you're going and find out what's available. So it's a really neat resource for cyclists. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you're nearing the end of your trip, and uh, tell us what it was like to see the ocean. Oh, so we got to we got to the coastline uh, about a hundred miles before we made it to Astoria. Oh, okay. Um, so, and I have never been further west than Denver before this trip. Ooh. Um, so I've never seen the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty fantastic uh, experience to kind of ride right to the Pacific Ocean um, from the other ocean for the first time. Um, seeing it, uh, it was really just kind of overwhelming. Um, and it was nice. I was, uh, camping at a Airbnb and a couple other cyclists that I was happened to be around in that, uh, at that time, uh, were there already. So I rode up and they came out to greet me and I was uh, almost in tears. Was how, gonna... <laughs> you know, it was like, Oh wow, this is you know overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do a bike ride every year in Iowa called Ragbri. And it starts on the west side of the state, which is the Missouri River, and ends on the east side of the state, which is the Mississippi River. And I get all emotional just getting to that. You know, it's 400 some miles. It's certainly no ocean. So I can I can't imagine your emotions starting all the way on the east coast and finishing on the west coast or not finishing, but seeing the end of the United States. Ah, it's great. It was wonderful. Yeah, great to think about. Um, so then you get up to uh, Astoria, which I'm assuming and maybe takes you a couple more days or one day. What was the finish like? I'm sure there's nobody there with balloons and, you know, cheering you on. But what was it like? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, so Astoria is a nice little town and there's a, a boardwalk that runs along the coast. Um so that is kind of part of the finish. You you, you ride around um, the southern point of the town and then come up along this boardwalk, um, and there's trolley tracks. Uh, so our last mile, um, we're trying to find kind of wh- where the finish line is and, and what is that like, um, and also trying to navigate around these trolley tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swear I wrote like 800 meters left in, in the Trans-America Trail. Uh, I took a uh, I navigated wrong over a trolley track and wiped out in oh. front of a lot of uh, a lot of tourists. Everything went down. Um, my bag, some of my bags popped open and things fell out. Um, and it was just like, I can't believe this. You know, I, I, I had gotten blown off the, the road um, earlier and that was my only other wipeout, uh, just kind of uh, falling over in some gravel. Um, but now to you know, wipe out with uh, uh, so, so little left of the Trans-America Trail was... Uh, pretty funny. Uh. Um, but I picked up and we kept going and the finish line was essentially just kind of like a museum. Um, and it felt sort of, uh, underwhelming. Um, and we knew that a lot of people also consider the Astoria column, uh, a nice place to finish. Um, it's got really great views. Uh, so we decided that we do that as well, right up to the Astoria column, which is kind of in the center of this little peninsula. Um, and it was only like a mile away or a mile and a half, mm-hmm. uh, but it was like 600 feet of uh, climbing. <laughs> Are you kidding? It was insane. I, it was the hardest, hardest climb we had done the entire time. Um, I pushed a lot and I hadn't pushed at all yet. Oh um, my gosh. So it was just, and we're just drenched in sweat. Um, I think the, the exertion of that made it a pretty good finish. I was like, all right, we, we, we got here. We, we <laughs> deserved this. Um, and the, the views were amazing um, looking over the Columbia River and yeah. out into the Pacific um, with the boats in the river. It was just really, really pretty. 
Awesome. Well, you definitely know how to uh, do an ending. You know, first you yeah. throw throw your stuff everywhere, you fall, and then you <laughs> climb 600 <laughs> like that. You got to make it memorable. <laughs> yes, you certainly did. <laughs> um, well, I briefly touched on this earlier, but uh, have you adjusted to life without being on the bike daily like you have been? Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, pretty much as soon as I got home, I was in the find a job mode. Um, so spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. A focus for me was just making sure I stay active. Um, a lot of people kind of warned me that um, it's pretty easy to actually put on more weight than you had before. Uh, just if you don't if you don't kind of keep up um, with uh, some sort of daily activity, uh. Uh, especially as you you know have to uh, bring your appetite down from the uh, from the tour. You typically eat a lot, so uh, you have to shrink your stomach a little, I guess. Um, so you got to keep keep working. Um, in that sense. So I stayed busy, um, looking for a job and, and trying to do some daily exercise. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, once you are back in the job world, do you have any biking adventures on the horizon? Nothing, uh, nothing set in stone. Um, and it's hard to imagine the next time I'll get a good chunk of time, uh, like this, but I would love to do the continental divide, mm. um, speaking with people that were doing it, uh, along the way and, and meeting people who had done it. Um, that was just, it just sounds awesome. And I would love to do something a little more off-road um, and a little more kind of uh, remote. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Well, would you recommend to people who have the dream to do what you did, should they do it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think the Trans-America Trail is a really wonderful um, place to start if mm -hmm. you're looking to do something big. Um, and it it's just, it's such a life-changing experience. Uh, you, you get, I feel more confident in myself. Um, and I've met so many great people, um, kind of know that as long as I keep working at something, I, I can probably accomplish it. Um, and that's really only a lesson you can learn if you do something big. So yeah, and this I is definitely recommend it. This is definitely big. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, you saw other cyclists doing the same thing, but I bet in general, there are not very many people that can say they've done Transamerica. So congrats to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, totally enjoyed uh, talking to you today, John. If anybody wants to like learn about your trip, have you documented it anywhere for the public? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kept a weekly blog. Uh, the website is uh, my last name, subterello, S-U-B-T-I-R-E-L-U.com slash Transamerica. Um, I've got about 12 posts there documenting kind of the adventure and uh, little stories that came up along the way. Awesome. And there's some fun pics on there too. I, cause I looked, checked it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, lots, lots to take pictures of. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, John, for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. You bet. Wonderful. How about a touring tip? Let's talk sleeping and eating on a budget. If you plan to do more than a couple tours next year, a need for a budget may pop into your mind. Of course, there are people who can cycle by credit card, staying at hotels every night, and eating every meal in restaurants. If that is not you, here are a few tips to keep you on your bike enjoying those next adventures. First tip is to travel with somebody so you can split the cost of campsites and or hotels if you go that route. 
a lot of campsites charge by the tent. So if you get to really know that somebody you're with, you may want to even share a tent that will save you a few bucks. And actually, if you do a little research, you may be able to find places to camp that don't charge a fee at all. Some city parks will allow camping, and a lot of churches will let you camp in the yard and may even open up to use their restroom. Be sure to ask before setting up your tents. Also, be aware of sprinkler heads that may be near your proposed spot. There is nothing fun about waking to a full blast sprinkler system in action. A website you may want to check out is freecampsites.net. Now another way to score a free camping spot is to put on a friendly smile and talk to people. This is a fun story. One year I was on tour with about a dozen people and we found a fun little bar in rural Iowa. Somebody in our group connected well with the bar owner and before we knew it, we were invited to use their yard and the owner was also a volunteer firefighter with access to the fire station for bathrooms and showers. We were so pumped. But it gets even better. It was terribly hot that day and that evening, so we lingered in the bar late enough that the owner decided we should camp in the bar and enjoy the air conditioning. I was never so happy to sleep on a bar floor. And the owners even made us breakfast in the morning. It was an awesome experience, and we have been back several times to visit them. So you may not want to actually sleep in a bar, but in general, people love to know more about your bicycle adventure, and many offer up something, whether it's their yard, their couch, their basement, or they know a great place in town to go. Social media may be a great resource to find a free couch to sleep on. Sending out a post such as, do I know anybody in such a such town that will be around on such a such night? Who knows if one of your old high school friends is there and ready to welcome you, or if a friend of a friend of a friend has an empty apartment that you could use. It sure doesn't hurt to ask. Another website to check out is warmshowers.org. It's basically a community of bicycle tourists. You can go onto the website to find people who open their home to cyclists passing through. And it's free. Most warm showers hosts are also cyclists, so be ready to socialize. One feature available with warm showers is free meals, which is a super nice bonus. So speaking of meals, food is a necessity that can blow through your budget quickly if you're not careful. Space is probably limited on your bike, so you may end up having to buy a lot of your meals. Uh, buying a loaf of bread, package of meat, and a package of cheese, and splitting it with your touring buddies is way cheaper than most restaurants. And it's fun to sit on the curb right outside the grocery store, uh, digging into a loaf of bread and your meat and cheese. Buying a box of granola bars at the same grocery store is much less expensive than visiting a gas station every morning to buy one granola bar. Grocery stores will always be less expensive than restaurants and offer a huge variety. You could also check out bakeries to see if they sell day-old products for less than fresh. Some restaurants that you go to uh, will let you order off the kids' menu, which, you know, of course is a smaller portion, but definitely less expensive than anything else on the menu. Um, also with restaurants, most of those places offer way more food than you need, or that you should eat, and most of the time you're not going to be able to take a to-go box, so ask if they can do a half order at a lower price. Uh, doing a little research of the area can help with your budget as well. Uh, bars or restaurants may have incredible specials like a wing night or cheap taco night. Check those bars or restaurants out on Facebook, or just give them a call once you know where you'll be stopping. A little prep work may save you some major cash. Then when the time is right, you can splurge. That's this week's tip. B 
Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate your time today and thanks for tuning in to listen to the Morphology Podcast. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Martha Beck. To change yourself is an act of courage and wisdom. To change anyone else is impossible. Think about it.